0: Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for February 14th, 2016. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jackstein at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon this morning is entitled, The Temptation of a Good Deodorant.
1: make you want to say that a word won't it (laughs) amen it's a good word at the beginning of Lent now I believe in a lot of things and I need to make it very clear to you this morning as I begin this sermon that I also believe in deodorant Some people, you know, have that all natural thing going on, you know, that European women not shaving under their arms and, you know, suit yourself about that. But when it comes to no right guard, that's just wrong. I don't care who you are, you need to wear your deodorant every single day. The problem with good deodorant, though, is that it doesn't really change anything right? I mean, the problem stays. The odorant just makes it smell a little bit better. And I'm all for that. But there are some things that you cannot cover over. Some things people of faith should not be willing just to dress up and pretend that there's not really some deep stink underneath. The temptation of Jesus gives us a chance to think about the issue at the heart of our troubles, to be honest about it, and see it with new eyes. The French philosopher Voltaire popularized the phrase, the better or the perfect is the enemy of the good. Based on an Italian proverb, the idea is that sometimes we forsake something good because of our tendency to want to make it perfect. Like the high roller who can't be satisfied, who wagers all on a chance for the jackpot and loses everything, Voltaire's wisdom pits pragmatism over idealism. There are times we need to take what we can get, enjoy the good, believe the better will come another day. The greater temptation, though, one that we've all suffered, it's just the opposite of that. It is forfeiting what might be. It's forfeiting the better because we're willing to settle for much less. And there's a funny commercial on these days for direct TV. You might have seen it. The scene opens in a modern American neighborhood, but the boy at the center is dressed in the clothing of the pioneers, those long pants and long-sleeved shirts and suspenders and his broad-brimmed hat. His father is plowing their, middle, uh, their upper middle class yard behind an ox when the boy runs out of the house and interrupts him. Father, why can't we have direct TV like the McGregors? And he looks next door as the homesteader explains, because we're settlers, son, that's what we do. We settle for cable TV. Well, we settle too, don't we? For things much worse than cable TV. We all live good lives. But every single one of us would be better off if we were not willing to settle for the way things are. Now I'm not saying to you, you would have more stuff if we didn't settle. A bigger house, a newer car, better deodorant. I said we would all be better off if we could see a bigger picture and have the faith to live the life Jesus offers. Jesus wants what's good for all, which would be better for everyone. The devil said, Jesus, there are rocks everywhere. If you've been to Palestine, you know there are rocks everywhere. And hungry people, too. Just turn these stones to loaves of bread. Warm, allergy-safe, gluten-free bread. Maybe you could make some Parmesan cheese bread too or some pumpernickel or banana bread. Just snap your fingers and turn it into bread. That would be a good thing, wouldn't it? And Jesus said, yes, Mr. Devil, that would be a good thing. But would that be the best thing? And he leaves us with that question. Do we settle for the good when there's something better we could have? Only the worst of the world's tyrants would ever argue against magically feeding all the people of the world with free bread. That would be a good thing, but we wouldn't learn very much from that. We would not learn the value of the hard work that it actually takes to make real bread in a non-magical world. We would not learn to appreciate the smell of fresh bread baking in the oven. And we would never learn that the best thing in the world is a good potluck lunch where everybody brings something different. Hey Jim, you guys want to come over? We've got bread Is it that stone bread? Yeah, but we got plenty of it. Come on over. Nah, we got bread too. Maybe next time. Stone bread is just like good deodorant. It just covers the problem. We already have enough bread in this world. We already have enough bread for every single person. There was an interesting interview this week on NPR about our frighteningly expanding world population and the many problems this presents. Mike Collins asked about the food supply, and the expert said, well, you know, we probably will be able to actually produce enough food even if our population grows as large as they predict. That's not the problem. The issues are so much larger than just getting enough grain out of the earth's wheat fields. Stones to bread wouldn't solve anything. The problem is with our hearts. If we could turn stones to bread, as you well know, some people would still go hungry. Theft and graft Greed and jealousy and dissatisfaction, it's just bread, would leave some people out. They would still starve. Jesus knew that we need more than just bread. If only he could take those stones, our hearts of stone, and make them selfless, which is exactly what Jesus came to do. Now jump with me, if you will, to the third scenario. We find the tempter, again, seducing Jesus with a good thing. They stand together on the, te- on the pinnacle of the temple, which was one of the marvels of the ancient world, an incredible architectural achievement, opulent in its finishes. And from the Temple Mount, even today, you can see over the dusty, golden Palestinian horizon, that view from atop that high pinnacle would have been breathtaking. He said to Jesus, throw yourself down, because you know God will protect you. What would that kind of health insurance be worth today? Throw yourself down. God will just protect you. You know, if Obamacare offered a rider for guardian angel protection, I can assure you that Ted Cruz and Donald Trump would be fighting to be the first ones to sign up for it. Protection like that. What would we pay for that? Most Americans would sell their soul for such a guarantee, which is ironic because there's no soul protection even in that kind of insurance. And that was kind of Jesus' point. Our healthcare industry is out of control. But before you start blaming any president, any Congress, any insurance executive, we need to take a look in the mirror. My friend Ken Godwin, who can cite a documented study to justify his every opinion, and he has a lot of them, Ken says the ridiculous cost of insurance is mostly our fault. Ken can quote the stats, but he says we spend something like 90% of all health care costs in the last year of life trying to prolong the inevitable. What measures will I take to prolong my life, the life of a loved one, even when death is inevitable? What will that cost my family? And what will it cost the rest of us? And before that last year of life, think about all we spend on get healthy gadgets and get skinny diets and get younger next year books when we all know that's a lie. Every year trying to prolong the inevitable. How much will we spend Now I am not saying that living and living healthy and well and as long as you can live healthy and well is not important. It's very important to me. Of course it's important. I am saying that a little sanity and reality and comfort with the idea of dying would go a very long way in our culture. Jesus said don't test God We live, we die, it's all good. And Jesus also said, I am the resurrection and life. Anyone who believes in me will never die. Maybe we just need to believe that a little more. Now in the center of these two temptations, appropriately in the center our oldest adversary, gets to the point of it all. He takes Jesus up and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and he says to him, To you I will give their glory and all authority if you will worship me. Which is just another way of saying, worship yourself. The devil, in any form he exists, is nothing more than the temptation To selfishness, the desire to turn the entire world inward. You will have glory and authority, ego and power, which is the heart of every problem this world has ever known. Every good thing can be turned inwardly, rotting the apple from the core outward. It was the insight of the writer Kathleen Norris that inspired today's odd sermon title, When It Becomes About Ego and Power, Any Good Thing Can Become a Tool of the Devil. She says this whole notion of a personal spirituality is a sham. It's an impossibility, a contradiction in terms personal spirituality, which is so popular in our culture today. When people speak in the same tone of voice about personal deodorant and their personal savior, I suspect that what they really mean is private. I got mine. Too bad for you. The heart of the American experience is the powerful belief in independence, collective and individual freedom. It is an empowering vision, but it is also a seductive allure that can elevate desire for personal achievement over the pursuit of the common good. One is good, the other is better. The revivalist movements of our religious history capitalized on this individual impulse wrapping the Christian experience of conversion in the flag of American individualism. I'm saved. It's all about me. Kathleen Norris understands what the Christian church needs to relearn today, that Christianity, like its ancestor Judaism, is inescapably communal. Even religion, especially religion, is not about me. Even Jesus knew this, the narrative says, Worship the Lord your God alone, he answers the temptation to selfishness. Belief in and service to God necessarily calls us to look beyond ourselves. And if even Jesus Christ knew it was not all about him, saw a bigger picture, surely we can learn that too. Jesus' example can help us not settle for the good when God intends the very best. We will solve our world's problems when we quit covering them over with the sweet smell of our own selfish comfort. Scripture envisions the kingdom of God as a great banquet feast on the mountain of God. People of every nation stream to it, and no one. to wear deodorant. May it be so. Amen.
0: We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina. Encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you. This has been a production of Park Road Baptist Church.